Hi, I'm Alex Bailey, and this is my colleague. Hello, I'm Darren Minister. And we are part of the team of academic developers at Swansea University who provide support and promote good learning and teaching practices and experiences. Welcome to A Pinch of Salt, Swansea University's learning and teaching podcast. If it has anything to do with learning and teaching in higher education, let's make sure everyone knows about it. In a recent episode of this podcast, we spoke with academic developers from SALT about how enhancing learner engagement leads to better learning and greater success for students. And one of the themes that we kept coming back to in that discussion was the course community. When you have a vibrant community of learners and teachers that works and plays together, learners are more likely to feel a sense of belonging and a desire to participate, which leads to better engagement and richer learning experiences. So our question today is how do we get there? How can we put things into place to take our course community from eh to excellent? And how can we overcome post-pandemic attitudes towards engagement in our course communities? Today, we have the privilege of sitting with colleagues who are raring to share their stories and strategies for building community in higher education. So uh, a big welcome to our guests. Please, can you each just take a second to introduce yourselves and your role at the university? Hello, I'm Lisa, and I'm the Student Experience Engagement Officer for the School of Management. Hello everyone, I'm Richard Bayliss and I'm the Student Engagement Partner for the School of Management. And I'm Louise Rees, I'm a member of SALT, I'm an academic developer. I primarily look after our fellowship programme, but I've also been working on a project uh, to develop resources about uh, building belonging. Fantastic, well thank you very much and welcome all. So uh, just our first question to start off with, why do you feel it's important for uh, academics to be taking steps to build community with their students? So what key for a lot of academics is realising how students are reacting to their teaching, um, for example. So when a lot of us teach, we need to engage with students to understand how they're actually taking on their learning activities, how they're progressing. And that is always a continual conversation between, for example, the academic and the student. So creating that learning community is really important for us to ensure that we have those conversations, that conduit for students to be able to feed back to us as academics and, and, and learning um, developers to ensure that actually they're gaining the best out of our teacher. Thank you, Richard. So mainly then to Richard and Lisa, what have you put into place to foster that sense of community for your students? Well, we welcome students from the offset and, and we make sure they have an excellent experience during Welcome Week and induction. We put on a variety of social events for them where academics and the student experience team are invited to. We make sure they're interactive, they're fun. From those sessions, we then gather feedback, looking to see what the students are hoping to achieve when they're in the university, listening to the feedback and building on it. We've put on a variety of events during the year. Um, this has included events for mature students family friendly, looking at cultural events. So we had great fun with a Welcome to Wales event, which went down really well, traditional Welsh food. We had Bronwyn Lewis singing, we had harp playing. We had such a fantastic afternoon um, and the students loved being part of a Welsh community. We make sure that we reach all the cultures and the different dynamics of the cohort. So we've had events that have included Nigerian Indian food. We even got uh, one of our students who is a Nigerian DJ 
to actually DJ at one of our postgraduate socials and he brought the house down. Um, it was lovely because he played music from India, from Nigeria, from England, from Wales. What anybody asked him, he turned his hand to. Um, and I think the event will definitely go down in history. One that we're very proud of, it was student voice. Um, and it did feel a real community feel. We've had, a, again, wide range of events, including meerkats, believe it or not. Uh, students have asked me for an animal interactive session. So we thought, let's go one more. Um, and we had meerkats and it's built in a real home in the School of Management. It's a fun experience. It's where they learn, but where they're meeting new friendships and building a really strong community feel. I'm passionate about it and it's a privilege to be able to do this role. And from those activities, what's really important is that, of course, students are now feeling that, for example, in our case, the School of Management is a place where they can um, create friends, but also therefore build in their learning. They feel that they've got a voice that both academics and professional services can hear and react to. What's really important since, for example, COVID is coming, bringing those students back together and enabling them to actually be interacting with each other. Now, most of the time, we sometimes just keep that within our modules. So, for example, we do a lot of group work within the School of Management. But what's also important is to not just have that credit bearing activity to allow students to actually explore risk free different activities that will actually develop their own understanding of themselves, but also the future careers they're actually developing within their own studies as well. Lovely. Thank you so much. And I just love listening to how, how far reaching your answer is there, because if I were an academic and sitting there and thinking I'm, I want to plan an event to build community, I would just plan something and uh, hope that everyone would come to it. Actually, <laughs> you, you've, you've, been, you've been really, really thoughtful in thinking, right, how do I reach each of these different cultures and, and, and these, these different demographics within the course community? You've, you've been really thorough. And uh, I guess I'd encourage academics to do the same. You know, if you're putting anything on for your course community, you know, but really give particular thought to, to those those communities across your course. So what would you guys say motivated you to put these things in, into place? Was it a general awareness of the, the needs and the benefits that we spoke about earlier? Or, or was there something in particular that you noticed about your particular cohorts? I think the biggest impact from COVID and the pandemic has been chronic anxiety and social anxiety is a pandemic of its own, I believe. You know, it's crippling a lot of the students. And we believed if we put on a wide range of events that would reach as many people as possible, small key events, larger key events, places where they felt safe, their anxieties were something that we could help with. We're not the wellbeing team, but we believe it's a duty of all our care for the wellbeing of our students. If they're feeling great, if their anxieties are lowered, they will study better, they will engage and complete the course and get the success that they deserve and which what they want. So I think it was a, an awareness, being a mum, working in academics, seeing the impact that it's actually had. I'm passionate, you know, I always say I do it for the cause, not the applause. And it's seeing the student that arrives alone, leave with a group of friends, laughing. It, it's, you know you're doing something right if you can actually see these communities building it's a privilege to do it. And over the year of the wide events we've run, the successes have been immense. Um, 
when we're certainly not lying on our laurels. We continually seek feedback from the students. Um, we, you know, an ever-changing demographic of our student cohort, we'll keep asking and reacting to the cultures that we, we have the privilege to teach. From someone who teaches across the cohort dimension, so for example, both undergraduate and postgraduate, seeing various different approaches to learning, what a lot of academics have realised is that the traditional learner does not exist anymore. And that's really important for all of us to reflect upon to ensure that we're challenging how we do things to make sure that it's still benefiting our students. As an academic, what I ultimately want is to see my students succeed. And a lot of the activities we involve our students, it's not just about um, being more confident in terms of their social anxiety or, for example, interacting with other students, but it's actually being those independent learners, those, those having the confidence to say, well, I can take this on my own and I can take this forward. When they come to university, you know, post-COVID, from different learning environments, they don't have that expectation that we have potentially. And so by having these open conversations with them during these events, which are a lot more relaxed, they're risk-free, um, you know, they can have, they feel like they can approach these discussions with other students who have fellow or um, similar um, issues or experiences then they don't feel so lonely and therefore they feel that they can have those conversations and start building up those different techniques and realizing that it's okay to not be able to do those things. But now we can develop those. So it's, it's engaging those conversations with them, which is really important. Brilliant. We've spoken a lot so far about uh, events outside of the classroom. I kind of want to turn the, the conversation a little more to inside the classroom now. So particularly to, to, to Richard and, and, and Louise, what sort of things do you do within but what sort of strategies do you recommend implementing within the classroom that can lend themselves towards a building a community? The first one is, from an academic perspective, is actually listening to students. It's engaging with your students. Um, you know, within the university um, dimension, you, you can have cohorts from 12 up to 200, you know, even larger. And so when you have that variation in student cohort size, it's actually very difficult to have those meaningful conversations. And so you have to you know, create spaces, whether that is, for example, within group team working. So for example, whether that's assessment based or whether it is actually just facilitating those, those more independent, open discussions. So um, for example, in what I do is I initiate conversations with students as much as possible, whether that's online, in person, whether that's via discussion boards or, for example, through video conversations. Um, it's really important to get them to speak to you about the challenges they face and to therefore then have those amazing discussions with people like Lisa and other persons to think of what can we do. So just don't think yourself as being alone. The key thing is to talk to other academics, talk to experts within SALT to think, well, if I have got this potential issue, how can I challenge it? And there's lots of opportunities out there for you. I'm sure SALT could um, convey some of those for us. Yeah, I mean, there's, there are, as Richard said, there's, there's different strategies for the different size cohorts that you've got and also the means of whether it's going to be face-to-face -face or online. So, you know, one of our key tips is yeah communicate and communicate often and so don't just leave it to you know the first your first module or you know the first time that you teach so things like 
um, even just recording little video introductions of yourself so they can see you and you can put that onto the canvas course um, some of the things I've done is um, ask the students to tell them a little bit about me now I'm not going to remember all of them but it does help me put a little um, you know I've got a little checklist then I can go back of okay they do this or they do that because you can't read it, them all and so um, I'd say in the first uh, few weeks is, is so be I think it's be compassionate and 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 show that you're open for communication and and chat to them and then uh, just keep try and keep that up I mean many students have wobbles at different times I mean there is a notion of of, of a thing called wobble week which often is for undergraduates kind of week four often that's a make or break week but it can happen at any time so you know maybe is having strategies to just touch base with them as well do, during those times uh, so you, you mentioned a lot then in terms of particularly listening to student voice and how that can increase the confidence and obviously having the sort of compassion as well i think it's really important just to sort of see students as human beings it can be extremely difficult in particularly large cohort teaching but trying to bear that in mind but what do you feel then has been the impact um, of your strategies that you've used to build communities either within the faculty as a whole or the school or within the classroom? I think for within the classroom, what we're seeing is more interaction with academics, but being able to hear students. So what, you know, I, I think a lot of academics, what we found when we went through COVID, for example, seeing just students on screen or lack of seeing students on screen meant that we couldn't react instantly or we couldn't react um, quick enough to ensure that students were actually learning. Now what we're seeing is that we're seeing more of those conversations by engaging them early on. Creating those communities allows students to start having a stronger voice, which is really important for us to understand what are their difficulties, to make sure that that learning environment is therefore being created more fluidically, more reactively, to make sure that they're getting the best, um, not just student experience, but learning experience. I know a lot of the time we talk about student experience, but ultimately it's the learning experience. If the learning experience isn't right, then they're not gonna get the outcomes that they are, you know, should be able to achieve or deserve. And I think that's one of the main things is we're getting that stronger voice coming through, whether that's through student staff panels or, more importantly, one-to-one -one or one-to-group conversations about what is going on within our teaching. Here, here. If you could each give our listeners one top tip for building community on their courses, uh, what would it be and why? So I think my top tip would be open to be approachable. I know we often speak or hope we are, but actually I think you know, since COVID, I think we're held at such a position that students are quite afraid to speak to us and be open with us about their potential um, concerns or failings. And I think it is just nice or just okay to be honest with your students and say, there will be things that you fail at and that is okay, but you need to talk to us. You need to let us know what you're finding difficult, what is being challenging, because then we can help you and hopefully support you in developing those skills. I think my top tip would be for a student is that if you're feeling a little bit vulnerable and you're feeling lonely and you're feeling a little bit homesick, a lot of our students are overseas, you know, 
join, join societies, join communities, come along to events, even though you don't think that maybe you'd be interested, you'll find someone that you can chat to. Um, just relax and enjoy it, and everybody is in the same boat. And I think just because somebody appears confident, they may be like a swan technique, they look serene on the top, but their little legs are paddling just as fast as yours underneath. So, yeah, just, just try, you know, force yourself, go along, get involved, um, and I think you'll probably have a really great time and surprise yourself. And it's great if academics can themselves give that exhortation to students Absolutely. as well. Absolutely. And, uh, and, and I think, that. yeah, if the academics get involved in, in, in the events, obviously I speak quite a lot about the events because that's my main role. When the academics come along and they speak, they realise they are great, either fun people, they're real people, um, and don't put them on a pedestal. But everybody's here for our students and we want you to have the best experience and to succeed. And I say from a, a teaching and learning perspective, Engage some icebreakers. Hopefully we'll, they will have the, the kind of support that Lisa uh, and Richard have talked about more broadly. But don't forget, it will help their academic performance as well to be feel as if they're connected to you in, in your teaching. So there's loads of great icebreakers that you can do regardless of whether uh, you know the class size is 10 or 400. Some of them could be a little bit more... Uh, you might need some technology to to share things like you know your your, your favorite your pet um, or your emoji how you're feeling that kind of thing and you can have you can introduce a bit of gamification in terms of applying uh, diff different things but don't be afraid to share a bit about you to open yourself up you're not expecting to share your entire life history with your students but just show that you're you're a human being as well. And being honest with them. So, uh, Louise, going back to you, you mentioned earlier on that you've done some work this year in SALT, looking at building and promoting community building amongst academics across the university. So what were some of the things that you learned while doing that work and what were the outcomes of that work? Well, I'll go with it in reverse order. So we looked at a variety of internal resources of exemplars of um, how people had done similar strategies or a variation on the strategies. So we've got a couple of uh, great videos from past SALT conferences uh, and also looked more widely in the sector to see uh, what were effective tips. And we've curated those into two uh, websites so people can look at different tips uh, for them. I think what we learned is that um, you have to know your cohort. So the tips may not suit your particular cohort or your particular, uh, you know, the mode of delivery. So don't feel as if, oh, you've seen that tip, that's not going to work. There'll probably be something else. So, um, yeah, know your cohort because we have mature learners. We have students on one-year courses compared to four-year courses. What will work for a four-year course is going to have to be sped up, isn't it, for, for somebody who's only here for a year. So we've got these two web pages with a curation of resources, also some videos um, of examples from within Swansea and outside. And if you want to delve deeper, some, some great pedagogical references of studies where it's been looking at belonging. Fantastic. Thank you, Louise. Um, Richard and Lisa, are there, is there anything that you would point to academics towards if they were looking to develop to, uh, if they were looking to develop their uh, building community skills, anything you, you'd point them to online or, or elsewhere? 
For, for academics, I think it's quite important to actually speak to your professional services team members because actually there are some amazing ideas that um, you know are generated by their close connection with students that sometimes we don't have due to the, the nature of the relationship we sometimes have. So firstly, please do speak to the teams that support you who are maybe um, in day-to-day -day contact with students a lot more than yourselves. But otherwise, you know, there's lots of different avenues for understanding what's going on. As again, you know, straight to Louise and Salt, perfect examples, some great curated information. But the other thing from my personal view is actually looking at your own subject specific networks. So, for example, in the business school, we've got specific, um, in my case, accountant and finance um, research workshops, which specifically address pedagogy within my context, because as you may may understand it's very different to, for example, some of the other social sciences or medical or humanity subjects. But what is, un what is really important is to just share that understanding and engage with that. There's lots of resources out there. Do ask, you know, Lisa and I are both based in the School of Management. Please do come and speak to us. We're happy to share our experiences. And the main thing is just to have those discussions with the students. The students are your source. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for, for all those recommendations. We'll make sure links are available uh, to those resources in the, in the show notes for our podcast. So uh, if you're listening, please do take some time to have a look at those. Well, uh, a massive thank you to uh, Richard, Lisa and Louise for coming on the show today. Uh, we've come to the end of our time together and uh, we very much hope that you, the listener, have enjoyed the episode and picked up some great tips on building community both in and outside the classroom. So without much further ado, it's goodbye from my guests. Thanks. Bye. 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 It's goodbye from Darren. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from me. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to A Pinch of Salt. You can find new episodes of this podcast on the last Tuesday of every month, with the odd bonus episodes scattered in between. You can catch us on all good podcasting platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. You can also find us on Twitter at SU Pinch of Salt to join in the conversation. If it's got anything to do with learning and teaching in higher education, let's make sure everybody knows about it. Mm -hmm.